Dathan Ritzenhein, welcome to the Morning Shakeout Podcast. Thanks for having me, Mario. I'm looking forward to it. So right now, we are about two months out from Boston. You're in Florida. What are things looking like for you these days? Yeah, I, I escaped the great north, <laughs> finally. Um, I, I got down here to Florida uh, about a week ago, and man, it was brutal the first uh, the first couple weeks uh, of the of the build up training. Um, I then I had some good weather, um, and then I got out of there just in time because it's been really nasty again. So um, I'm pretty much up to full training now, and I'm feeling good and. Uh, I just kind of, yeah, I'm just getting into a really good groove right now, actually, and laying down the base layer in my tan down here um, as well. So, um, but I, I feel I feel great actually. So that's uh, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm in a really good spot. About yeah, eight weeks out, nine weeks out. And what's full training looking like for you these days? You've recently joined the Hanson's Brooks Distance Project. You're working with Keith and Kevin Hanson. I'm assuming they're directing the show right now you're 35 years old this is your second boston marathon so what what does what does full training look like for dathan ritzenheim these days yes i'm definitely in a different position than a lot of the people that come into the program um i've known you know i've known keith and kevin for so long uh i ran um i ran against some of their first guys you know in, in 1999 when they had a uh they had some races that they didn't have any sponsorships other than through the stores. They were just kind of trying to give guys the opportunity um, after uh, after college coming out who didn't have the opportunity to sign any contracts and stuff. So I was just a young high school kid, really. Um, and so uh, now, though, being 35, yeah, it's funny. I've I, you know I've, I've been out and been to college, been all over different you know different coaches, different training groups, and moved back to Michigan about four years ago and uh, five years, four years ago. And, um, uh, and yeah, just, you know, I started working on that with them here this, uh, this past year and they've been really great so far. So I'm, I'm just a little different, you know, cause a lot of the guys coming out are young guys right out of school. Um, and so I guess I come at it with a whole lot of experience and a whole lot of different, um, different things that I've done in the past. Um, and you know, this will be my, I guess this will be my, oh, I started 11 marathons and I finished nine of them. So, um, once in Boston and, and so, but I'm excited to kind of learn what's different, you know, what they do differently. And, um, I've, I've trained for the marathon in different ways, but for me now, it's, uh, the last two were really rough. <laughs> and so I've had to change some things a little bit. Um, uh, I was, you know, healthy for, uh, the trials, but, um, kind of short on training. I had a couple little things that were, um, had like a, a neck problem that popped up and, um, uh, just kind of like some strange things that, um, and I think I underestimated the heat a little bit, obviously. Um, and then I was really fit going into the last marathon in, in New York, but, uh, but I developed planner problems and it, it was just trying to get to the line really. Um, and then the yeah. planner ruptured, ruptured, you know, at the, about 18, 19 miles. And so, so I'm changing things a little bit and I'm trying to just, the biggest thing for me is to stay healthy on the line. And so, um, you know, and this is different even for Keith and Kevin. I mean, I'm, I'm training six days a week instead of seven, but, uh, from a running standpoint, but I'm cross training quite a bit, um, especially on that, um, 
the day that I take off. Um, I, I cross train a lot. And so, um, they, you know, their, their philosophy for the marathon is cumul- having this cumulative fatigue of, over the course of the three months leading up to it. And so I'm trying to walk the balance between doing that and staying healthy. And so we're just trying to get like, so for me, like it's 100, 105, 110 miles a week, basically in six days. So it's still a pretty substantial amount of running in six days. Um, and then, uh, and then a few hours of cross training per week. And so I, I am training as much as I ever have. It's just a little differently, I guess. Yeah. And what is the, what does the cross training look like for you specifically right now? Well, when I was building up over the last four weeks or so to full, full training, uh, I did a lot of it on my bike at home. Um, and then I have a, uh, elliptigo, uh, type, type thing, uh, on a trainer as well. And so I would do a lot of it on those. Um, and, and then, and then I was training on my Alter G too for like 15 to 20 miles a week. Um, so now that I'm down here, I'm not using that. So I got to make sure I stay on soft stuff. There's some great turf fields, uh, right around the, uh, about five, 10 minutes away from the, um, house we're staying at. So I can, I can do a lot of my second running on that. But the, um, but down here, there's a, I've, I use the bike. Um, they have an elliptical and we're lucky there's a pool in the back. So I've been doing some aqua jogging in the back of the pool too. And so, uh, some of that's therapeutic, um, as well as I'm actually doing a little bit more, but I think getting in and getting that hydrostatic pressure is a good thing for the body, especially when it's hot down here and trying to make me cool off at the end of the night and try to flush a little bit out so I can sleep good and, and rest good and be ready for the next day's training. Now, a lot, a lot of marathoners at this point of their training are heading to altitude, then they'll come down before Boston. And yep. Hanton's have always taken a pretty unique approach in that they go to Florida for their pre-Boston training. Can you talk a little bit about the reasoning behind that? Yeah, so for, the, for Keith and Kevin, there's, there's two parts, but one of them is uh, that it's very, it's very easy and convenient, um, to come straight down to Florida for, for me, even from Grand Rapids, uh, which is not a huge airport. Um, uh, there's multiple flights a day direct to Orlando area. And so we come down and, and Claremont, uh, kind of where we train is great. I mean, like I, I've, I was, you know, I had never been down here to train. It's been, it's awesome. There's a, there's a few spots that, I mean, it, it looks like Kenya. Like you wouldn't think there's hills in, uh, in central Florida. There's some big, big ass hills, uh, that are on this loop and it's says a red earth that's soft, you know, like in the orange groves. And so it's a great place for, uh, for, you know, longer stuff or just easy training. And then I found a great rail trail here. I uh, did a long workout yesterday where it's shaded. And so even if it gets like yesterday was oppressively hot and humid. So, you know, you're running slower, but it was nice and shaded. Um, so that helped a lot. And so, um, they're, you know, they want me to find the pace that feels right for the marathon. And so at, the, at altitude, you know, you you have to adjust that and you have to adjust to that, um, at, uh, at in the heat and humidity as well. So I, I feel like you probably run a similar, um, you know, similar a pace. It's just, um, you know, it, it's, it's a different uh, stressor that affects the pace, I guess. And so, um, and so that, that's the biggest reason though. It's, it's definitely, 
um, getting out of Michigan, first of all. And then you go to a lot of places this time of year, unless you go to really, unless you go to Kenya or Ethiopia, even a lot of places in the U S I mean, you can get some, some pretty crappy weather in, in uh, Flagstaff or um, Boulder or wherever, but I mean, you get a lot of nice days too. And, and so I think it's just about consistency more than anything. It's like the E10 like of the East Coast. Well, I guess, yeah. <laughs> um, you had mentioned to me in our exchange prior to this conversation that Shadrach Biwat is going to be joining you in Florida soon. How will the two of you work together toward Boston? Yeah, Shaddy's coming here um, in about one week. And so um, it was a little easier. Like, I actually made the call to come down earlier. I was not going to come down for another week. But I, it was the weather was bad. And I just I told my wife, I was like, what do you think if I go down two weeks earlier and then you guys just make an extra trip? Because they're going to come down and visit. And so that's one of the nice things. It's easy for them to pop on a flight. Um, and they're they're pretty low cost. And um so my family can come down and I don't have to go for more than 10 days or two weeks without seeing them uh, for for uh, uh, a long weekend. And so I made that call to come down early and it was good. It was because it's really been bad there the last week. And, um, and but Chaddy's coming and he's coming from Sacramento. So he's had good, you know, good weather. So he didn't have to be here for that. Um, but same thing, you know, he's got two, he's got kids. I got kids and it's just hard to be away from your family for that long. And so, um, you know, if you, if you go, I find myself that if I go for more than two weeks without seeing the family, I start to get, it starts to affect my running negatively because then I'm, I'm missing them. I feel, you know, I feel like I'm not there as their dad and my, and the husband. And so, um, so that's the, that's the balancing act. So I'm lucky that they get to come down and I can come a little bit longer. Shaddy, he'll have to tough it out, but it, it's a three, you know, I think it's uh cause we'll go straight to Boston to check out the course after, um, uh, in, in about four weeks. And so, um, I think he's going to go, he's going to, he's going to go home after that. And then it'll be about four weeks, um, away. So, you know, it's not, not the easiest thing. It's still, you know, so that's the way it is. <laughs> right. Building off what you just said about having your kids around and how, you know, being away from them for a while negatively affects your running. How important is it as an athlete to have, everything else in your life in a good balance or in a good place as it relates to your running and how it might affect how your training's going. It, it sounds so cliche, you know, but I mean, really attitude is everything. And if you are, if you're in a bad place or you're thinking about a lot of other things, uh, it, it just detracts from it. And so like, you know, every day I've, I've, I've been really motivated and um, ready to tackle this, you know, this marathon. And I've had a great four or five weeks of doing that already. And, and I just feel really focused, um, but it's something that the part of the training camp is, is good for. Um, but yeah, it becomes a negative if it, if it goes so long that, you know, you're starting worrying about not being there for the family and stuff. And so just having, having a goal and, and revolving things around that, um, it's, it's pretty well, it's pretty much key, but, you know, having a balance in life is, it's, it's hard, uh, to do in a sport like this when it's, it's a very selfish sport. So like, I'm blessed to have a wife that, I mean, she works now full time too, which she didn't used to. And so she takes on a lot more than even she used to when I traveled a lot. And so, um, you know, I have, a, I have, a, I'm lucky to have a partner that, uh, and she was a good runner, you know, so she understands that. 
Um, but you know, you always feel like kind of bad when you're sneaking up to take a nap in the afternoon. And you know, uh, luckily my kids are old enough now that they can kind of fend for themselves. But I used to really struggle with that actually, um, just feeling like I wasn't contributing enough. Um, but it's like I say, it's it's a selfish sport, and like you have to you have to basically devote um, so much time and energy to it that. Um, if you don't have a support system or and a family and friends that really understand that, it can be tough for sure. I want to backtrack a little bit and talk about injuries. You had mentioned what you're doing now to stay healthy in terms of the balance of running to cross training. On some level, I'm still shocked that you're still in the game given how many times <laughs> you've been injured since really, let's say, college. Um, you've had stress fractures. You've had other you know, unfortunate incidences that weren't even injuries. I remember you got an infection after a surgery mm-hmm. at one point. Um, and you, you have just been knocked back more times than, than I can count. Um, why have you stuck with it for so long when it would have been so easy to say, you know, I, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I, you know, I mm-hmm. could go do something else with my time. I could get into coaching. Um, you know, I could treat my body a little bit better. What's kept you in the game, you know, still at 35 years old? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I guess, I guess that, you know, I, I, when I think back on it, um, it, it seems, uh, not that it seems normal, like it, now if those things happen, but I've, I've kind of always dealt with them, I guess, for the last, um, yeah, basically since I was a fresh, freshman, sophomore in college. And so, but I mean, I think I've had 15 stress fractures probably. Um, I've had three surgeries. I've ruptured, you know, my planner. I've, I've, yeah, like a lot of, a lot of bad negative, you know, things that are, uh, that were just, you know, like health related, uh, like the, the infection and stuff. And I, I guess, you know, like adding them up sounds worse, you know, in the moment it's, it's obviously difficult, but I've, I've come to, um, not embrace it, but like, I'm just the kind of person that drives, um, on a challenge and kind of like when your back's against the wall a little bit. And so even if it's self-imposed, you know, like, and so I think I, I always look at it like, you know, obviously I'll be devastated if something happens at first, but I want to prove it to myself, I guess, that I can, I can come back from it. And I'm kind of a, you know, at 35 now, um, there's not a lot of guys on the start list I see that are younger than me. Um, usually it's usually with the exception of Abdi and Bernard. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I started training really hard when I was like, when I was really young. Um, and so, uh, I've had a lot of, a lot of miles in the body and a lot of injuries over the course of time. And so I am amazed sometimes that I, you know, I've been able to get back out there and, and keep doing it. And, Part of it is loving it, loving racing, but it's the challenge too. And I don't want to say that I don't like know what else to do because I do have plans in life, but um, I've been doing it like this twice a day uh, since I was 13 or 14, you know, and, and so it's, it's just kind of, it's not that it's all I know, but it's what I know, I guess. And so um, I, I don't, you know, I have plans post running, but, I still, I still generally enjoy training. And I think that's one thing. A lot of people, they get sick of training. Um, they like the lifestyle. They like running. Um, 
Uh, they like going to, you know, races, and I love all those things. Um, but I, I like the challenge, and I like the way I feel when I train. So even if I'm hurt, which I've been a lot, I, I train more than when I'm hurt probably than when I'm not hurt. And so that's why I think, you know, I come back, and I come back really strong a lot. Um, I hit my, I'll hit my first race really good because I've been killing myself, uh, in, in training. And so, um, I, it's just a passion that if you, if you don't have it, it, it won't matter. Um, and when I, when I lose it, it's gone and it's gone. If I do, then, then I'll probably know pretty quick. Um, but I still have it right now. And, and so I got, I still have goals, and, you know, when you have goals and you enjoy what you're doing. It's it's uh it's not it's not a job it's not hard. And where do you think that comes from? I don't I'm not, I don't know. I mean I I I I guess maybe like I said before, not that it's all I know, but um, I was kind of instilled with that as an, as a young kid. My I mean my dad um, took me. I started out doing triathlons. Um, I mean we trained like when I was ten and eleven years old. I uh, my dad, when my parents got divorced, he got on this crazy health kick and he was a smoker and a uh, drinker. And, um, and then he just tried to want to change his life around and he got completely, I mean, he was, he played football and wrestled and stuff like that in, in high school. So it was foreign to him. And he just started going to local running clubs, going to triathlons. Just, it was kind of, uh, kind of like a complete 180 in life. And, um, you know, I lived with him and, uh, I just kind of got absorbed into that, I guess. And, you know, like triathletes, you know, I think, uh, they're, they're, they train so much that I think I, I kind of adopted that a little bit mentality, uh, when I was super young that I just would start, that I could do all these things. I could do this much training and it felt normal. Mm-hmm. And so I took that into, I was blessed to be in a really, really good program in high school that we trained like crazy, uh, probably with reckless abandon. Um, and, uh, so that was like a natural for me. So when I ran really well in, in, in high school, um, yeah, I was doing so much that, uh, that it wasn't, wasn't so much of a surprise, but you learn it young, I guess. And so even though there's probably negatives from like a physical, physiological development standpoint, I definitely think some of the injuries I had are a result of early hard training and stuff. But, um, but mentally you develop a, you know, a pattern of thinking, I guess. And so I think that's kind of, I, I learned it young. Yeah. I remember reading an article about your training in high school or even before high school, uh, when your dad had gotten into triathlon and you sort of rode his coattails for a little while, you would go out every morning and run the same four mile loop. And I think the quote <laughs> in the article was tempo run every day. So you were just going out and hammering this four mile loop every morning. Like what, what were you thinking when you were doing that? Like, why would you go out when most kids at, you know, in their preteen years, the last thing they want to do is go run distance. Never mind, go run four miles as hard as they could. Like what, what about that was appealing to you at that age? Well, I think, you know, when I started, when I, that was between, that was in eighth grade. Um, and that was between track and cross country. And that's when I really got good. Um, before that, I just trained a lot, but uh, I don't know if I showed much promise, really. But I kind of, you know, like, that's like when I hit puberty, you know, like, you just take off, you know, like, all of a sudden, you're like a different runner, you know. And uh, 
but it was it just coincided with the time that I I had been doing all these this other training, um, but wasn't really that amazing. Uh, I think a third person on the cross country team, but I was doing all this stuff, so I probably looked like I really had no talent to the coaches back then because I was doing a ton but wasn't that good. Um, but then you know I I remember it was the time I really started getting more into running because I had ran track and I ran cross country, so now it was like defined as a sport as opposed to just running in general and so I've seen it as what can I do in track these are the times and so I started to be introduced to that I think at that age and at the same time I I was now this is you know like you're 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 kind of old like me so this is when the the pre-Fontaine movies came out Mm -hmm. and I remember watching those and those were as a as a 14 year old kid like you're I was like crazy inspired you know and uh, that's in, and, and so I had cross country, which I always felt in the, in eighth grade. And I felt like, all right, I'm, I'm training really well, but I want to do way more. Like I'm used to doing way more than what the coaches tell me. And I was, I was doing all the triathlon training stuff. And so, you know, I just said in the winter, I was like, I, I got inspired and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to do the same four miles every day, time trial it. And it was winter in Michigan. So it was horrible. And you have limited time, so I would do this before, you know, the rest of my afternoon training. I'd get up and I'd do it, and it was as fast as you could go and just see. And, uh, like, you know, like, I guess three months of, uh, you know, five days a week doing uh, doing four-mile tempo runs, I, all of a sudden that was good. Like, I was way, like, way good. Um, and so I came into eighth grade, and, yeah, I think I ran 10.24 or something like that in, uh, for the two-mile, and I don't remember what I ran for the mile, but... Um, by the time I hit the summer before going into ninth grade, I, I know I ran 16 low something and some 5k road races and all of a sudden I was like really good. And so it was a massive transformation really quickly. It seemed like. Yeah. And not that you had a lot of control over this yourself in high school, but looking back and you just touched on this, what would you change if anything about your training or your approach knowing what you know now and given all that you've gone through in terms of injuries and all of that oh man we we didn't do anything easy i guess that was the biggest thing and i don't think my volume was crazy when i started um i think i probably ran about 40 miles a week my freshman year um then maybe about 60 my sophomore year so i started getting up there for a sophomore and by my junior year i think i was in the mid 70s to 80 so I was getting up, you know, kind of pushing the envelope of what a high school kid would. But then my senior year, I'd go up to a hundred, a couple, you know, like one, at least one time. I remember I wanted to do it, but I was doing, and we worked out, we didn't do easy runs except for in the morning. And so like my, I could, I still can say the exact schedule, what it was all summer long. And we would start the day, you know, like the Monday after the state, you know, the track meet, uh, state track meet was over. We would. Mm-hmm. Monday was mile repeat at the cross country course on the park. Tuesday we'd go to the ski slopes and we would well, there is ski slopes in Michigan and uh, we would do hill repeat, uh, which were up to six eight hundred meters uh, hill repeats. Uh, and so that was so we go Monday hill re- or mile repeat, uh, Tuesday hill repeat. Then Wednesday we'd go to the track and there was a big track club. Uh, we do shorter intervals, like 800 and below for the most part. And we do crazy stuff. Like my senior year, we did 32 times 400. And 
everybody did it. Like, I mean, old people too, you know? And so like, it just took forever. I remember. And then Thursday we would do like a, you'd almost consider like a speed development. We do a hundred on hundred off, like in a field. Um, and it was basically turn, you know, like 20 minutes of doing this. And then usually Friday we would go kind of like just the easier run. And then Saturday we'd either do a race or we'd do a long tempo and Sunday we would do a long run. And it was like every single week. And that's why we would come in and kill it right from the get go too. We didn't have any progression throughout the season. It was like, we were so fit and we'd hold it just because we were training, you know, like above the level of everybody else. But there was no science to it. It was just intensity all the time. So when you graduated and moved on to the University of Colorado, which is one of the best programs year in, year out in the country with some of the best runners in the country, did it almost feel like a step back to you in some regards or was it harder in different ways? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know what easy training really was other than in the mornings. I was lucky in high school. I, I had a really supportive high school and they, they let me take independent study uh, classes where I would just run in the morning too. So I'd get easy running in the morning um, just to get more volume. But like when I, when I was visiting colleges, I visited university of Michigan, uh, university of Oregon and the university of Colorado. And when I went, when I went to, I loved, I thought I was going to go to Michigan actually. Like I loved Ron um, and Warhart, the coach there. And he was awesome. And Alan came, uh, a web came on his recruiting trip at the same time. And, but I remember Ron telling me, I'm going to actually take your volume down the first year. And I was like, what? Uh, that's, you know, I'm thinking, no way I'm 18. I, I know, I know better, you know? And, uh, and the same thing, Martin Smith was the coach at Oregon at the time. And he, he, uh, he said, you're not, you're definitely not going to run any more than you already are. And, and so then Mark, uh, when I went to see you, it was really more of a distance program and I wanted to do the distance. Um, and so, he at least told me, well, you can kind of start where you're at. And so I was like, all right, well, that's, that at least is better to me. So, um, you know, being, just being foolish, you know, I wanted, I, that's what I wanted, but I really clicked with the guys so much there, um, that it didn't matter, but I was coming into a team where when I was in high school, I was, I was the man by a lot. I mean, I won the national championship races by a lot. And so I, I didn't really know how to go easy still. And when you go in college and, you know, I had really good guys on the team. Jorge Torres was uh, second in the NCAA championship the, 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 my freshman year. And so he's a teammate of mine and man, he could kill me on some, on some workouts, but, but I was good enough that I could, I could pretty much hang on anything along. And, uh, but it just, it catches up to you in college because now you're, you're with every level you get up to, you know, go to high school, then to college, then to, you know, professional, it gets harder every level uh, because there's always good people and you're always racing uh, or training with good people. And so I, I, I broke down after the fresh, after my freshman year. And I finally, I was like indestructible before that. And I was, I just, you know, I've, I've been, like I said before, all the injuries I've had since then, um, you know, like reckless abandon only works for so long. You just mentioned Alan Webb and how you guys were looking at Michigan at the same time. He ultimately went there. Um, but you're a senior of high school. It was you, Alan Webb, Ryan Hall, sort of the big three of, 
American high school distance running, and I'd argue started, you know, sort of a renaissance in terms of uh, American competitive distance running. Your senior year, uh, Foot Locker Cross Country Championships, fall of 2000, you're going in as the reigning champion. So it's you, it's Alan Webb, who everyone's wondering if he's going to be the next high schooler to break the four-minute mile. And then you've got Ryan Hall, who's also knocking on the door of four minutes. Let's talk about that race specifically. What was going in, going through your head, going into it? Um, and looking back at it, you know, what significance, uh, has that race played not only in your career, but do you think for American distance running? I, well, I think, you know, like going, obviously going into that race, uh, I should have been super confident based on where I was and, I mean, I had, I mean, I ran under 15 minutes so many times that my, that year and I had ran 841 as a junior and 405 and, um, and then my training was so much higher and, and I came, I ran the state meet beforehand. I ran 1410 for a 5k, which is, I think, you know, like that it was crazy fast and, and I ran super fast at the regional. And so going in, you know, like it was like a, you know, kind of like a freight train, uh, there was no stopping you kind of thing, but in the back of my mind, you know, I, I got super, super nervous as the race got closer because like I said, it, it gets harder every level you get up to. And not that it was a total surprise winning the year before, but I definitely felt the target on the back, uh, this time. And, and Alan was so good, um, that, uh, I guess, I mean, I was, I just was out of my mind nervous going into it and and you know ryan everybody said ryan like his time is at mount sack and stuff i remember i don't remember where you're in but it, i just remember knowing these guys are really good so like i mean i'm killing it but you know i just did i still didn't have the confidence i guess that i you know that i maybe would have later in life but like and that's part of being younger and dealing with things differently but like i just gosh i remember being so nervous um and I know that my coach, he wanted, he, you know, I had just been dominating everything. I mean, just more, you know, go out and just no one's even close to you. So you're just basically you're running against yourself. Well, I just, you just can't do that against good people like that. And so he wanted me to wait. I remember in the race and I was just like, what, why would I do that? You know, like, and, uh, so we did a lot of that stuff in practice actually going into it, um, in that last, uh, two months ton of stuff where we would just surge basically as fast as you could possibly go um and then try to uh come back into something you know like the like a tempo type stuff and so he would do the thing with the, the whistle workout where he'd blow the whistle and you just run as fast as you can and you don't know how long it's going to be and so it was like training like a racehorse or something you know like they and so we did that stuff and uh I was super nervous going into the race and we were sitting around and, and it was just like, man, what am I doing here? And then, but I knew the plan was to go at a mile and it was just like, take off as fast as you can and don't look back and don't just don't let them get back on you kind of thing. And, and, uh, and so it was, I had no idea that I had pulled away that much either. Like, I mean, I was like in the tunnel vision and, uh, just kind of running scared more than anything. And, and, uh, yeah, they they were so good that you know, I just I just didn't think that it was possible to to run away like that. And so I should have based on where my training was. I mean, my training was amazingly 
uh, good, but but still, you know, it's just uh, it was hard to hard to have the confidence before that. One of the things I've always been amazed at um, from you is just how hard you can push yourself in a race. And there's video of that footlocker race online, which I'll link to in the show notes. And then I think it was 2003 cross country championships against Ryan Hall, where you came back in the last, I think it was quarter mile, maybe 600 meters uh, to pull out the win there. And you crossed the finish line and you are just completely spent. And I think it was your high school coach, Brad Prins in a sports illustrated article. He said, you know, in a workout or race, you know, be the first lap and he could hear you breathing so hard from all the way across the track and you would just hold on to it the, the entire way. Um, so that's not atypical for you, but in your own mind, what's the deepest that you've ever dug in a race where you were just completely shattered afterward, physically, emotionally, and otherwise? I, I probably the, the NCAA 2003, um, championships, um, and that was, um, you know, Mark Wetmore used to say, there's only so many times someone can go to that place. And that was one of them. I mean, I don't know if I could do that again, to tell you the truth. Like, it was one of those things where I was kind of battling demons, you know, and um, I, I had been hurt for a year straight at that point and really only been healthy for uh, and training for, I think I started running, um, when we were up at camp, um, which, so, I mean, I was maybe like 10 weeks before the NCAAs and it was like, and I hadn't ran hardly. I think I ran for three out of the last 12 months before that. And, and, uh, and I don't, I didn't have the experience that I have with cross training and things now. So, um, and I was like seriously low on the base fitness because if the race had been a week earlier, I feel like I could have actually, uh, been, maybe stronger, but I was like deteriorating in fitness. I felt like, uh, um, in the last week and, uh, and it didn't take me so long to recover from it. I mean, it took me like months. Uh, and I think part of it was emotionally, um, as much as anything. Um, and so, I mean, I had to go like, cause Ryan was so fit. And so like, I felt like he was toying with me in the race. I mean, he would surge and he would, uh, and I, and he'd, he'd turn and he'd look back. I was like, Oh my gosh, this guy's going to slaughter me. Um, I just kept thinking the whole time. And, uh, but I just, I, I have, I mean, I have, I don't know. I have a, um, I had an ability. I guess I, I like to think it's still in there. It's just, I haven't taken that, uh, that, um, in a while, I guess, um, because, uh, there's been, you know, like I'd say if I've, five good times where you feel like, man, am I going to die? <laughs> with um, and that was one of them. I think that was probably the worst for sure. You've raced really well on the track, on the roads and cross countries. We've talked about a few times here, but I mean, I'd argue that you're, you've always been at your best on a cross country course. I know it's been a few years since you've raced cross country seriously, but would you agree with that assessment? Yeah, I, I do well on that. I mean, it's like a, it's just part of it's the distance. I mean, like I'm really good. Like, like you said before, I mean, like when, if I could kind of push it at a high level, like I can, I can just kind of put the hammer down and go. Um, so I can do that. Though I'm comfortable on, well, I used to be comfortable on those uneven surfaces and soft surfaces. And I kind of just had a good feel of, of that, you know, like it's just, it's like a, it's like an art learning it, you know, like, 
it's an art to learn to hammer around turns and up and down hills. And, um, and some people, it just, it completely feels unnatural to them. But we used to do a lot of our stuff on that when I was young. And I think it was kind of ingrained in me young. Um, and so now I don't do, um, I just don't do it a whole lot just because I have, from an injury standpoint, I would love to get back to doing it. It's just, uh, man, like my body starts, it, it feels like it can do certain things, but I, I know like, uh, I got like some arthritis things and stuff like that that I don't know how they would respond, uh, to hammering a cross country course. It's not to say I want, wouldn't do it again, but, um, I miss it too because it was really what you had to fall in love with first. And, um, and so, yeah, if I could, who knows, I might come back out one more year. We'll see. Um, I, I think it's, you know, it, it's, it's something you don't forget. It's like learning, like riding a bike, I think. So, because I've been able to kind of step away for a couple of years and, and then come back and be really good at it again. And so, yeah, maybe I'll come back and still do it. <laughs> so there's talk of cross country getting potentially added to the Olympic program in the coming years. Would that bum you out if you're retired at that point and they add cross country to the program? Yeah. You know, I, I'd be happy. I'd just be happy to see it in there. Um, I would feel like I missed out on an opportunity for me personally, but you know, I'm happy. I mean, I've made three teams. I'm hoping to make four and yeah, I wish I, I, I wish I could be in that, but even then I, like I didn't do world cross as much as I, Sometimes I look back and I wish I would have done more world cross and things like that. But, um, but I can't, I can't look back with regret either. I mean, I've done so many things, you know, but man, I wish, yeah, I wish you're right. That would be pretty cool to be on a team. And I, to tell you the truth, like I, if it was a compromise, I mean, I mean, I've made a lot of my world, you know, world teams uh, or Olympic teams in the 10 K, but I'd rather see a 10 K cross country course, probably than a 10 K on the track. So, yeah. Let's fast forward a little bit through your career to summer of 2009. Uh, you had been training with Brad Hudson and you moved up to Oregon to train with Alberto Salazar and the Nike Oregon project. And there's stuff there that we won't talk about, but I want to talk about what happened right when you got there from a performance perspective. You were sixth at the world championships in the 10, in the 10,000. You set an American record in the 5K, and then you ran 60 flat in the half marathon, all within a very short period of time. What was it about that change that kind of spurred something in you and helped lead to some of those performance breakthroughs? Yeah, that was definitely like, you know, I probably like to think of it like my physiological peak, um, and but everything was going perfect, too, I think. And like we talked about it earlier, too, attitude is everything. And I was like crazy excited, um, uh, that summer and fall. And I was like, I felt like I was finally where I wanted, where I was trying to get to. Um, and I, it was the opportunity and I was like, kind of seize it, you know? And, uh, I had trained, you know, I'd, I'd started the marathon early, um, pretty young. And, and so with Brad, we did so much long, long work. I mean, really my highest, you know, highest volume weeks. Um, and highest, hardest long runs and things like that I did with Brad. And so that, um, coming into that, that winter, uh, was coming off from the Olympic, uh, marathon. And I really, I was like bound and determined to run 207 in the marathon. And so we wanted to go to London. 
and uh, that was the the goal was go there, run fast. And I was doing crazy good workouts. Um, I did have a few little, you know, like sicknesses and stuff. But I mean, I was doing. I did some like some long workouts, like 20 miles at 4:53 pace. You know, like in the middle of hard training, stuff like that. Just crazy stuff. And but I, as a result, I ended up going in just a little dinged up. And um, and so when I when I went there and I was on 207 pace to 20 miles and and com- completely just cramped up and you know came in ran 210 flat and i was really kind of devastated you know like with that i just thought man i'm you know like i'm 26 like this is the time that i gotta really you know go for it and and so i had been with brad for five years and and so i was like i've known alberta for uh gosh you know like since i had first you know turned professional years before he had tried to get me to come out there and and so I was like, I need to, I need to make this change, and uh, and so that was what he wanted me to do. He said, like, he said, I don't want you, we, I want you to go back to the track. Um, you're still young, and we're gonna focus on speed. And we did. I mean, it was speed like I have never done before. I mean, it was so. I was doing workouts that, I mean, I was fairly fast. I ran 8:11 for two miles with Brad when I, a couple of years before. So it was like there. That was, I, I had that ability. But I was running that off from like this pure strength and uh and just getting better as I each year. But this was like I mean I was I was you know, like super excited. Just like it was we went to training camps, we went to San Moritz, um, and I was doing stuff that was like I mean, I was doing intervals where I would run uh six you know, five or six miles worth of intervals at close to four minute pace, some of it, you know. And it was a lot of rest, which I wasn't used to, but it was like I was basically just taking money out of the bank from all that work that I did with Brad, basically. And I knew going into the uh, world championships that I was in great shape, but because I ran, we did a time trial up in San Moritz, um, six days out from the uh, from the world championships, and I ran 13:44. Uh, at 6,000 feet for a 5K, um, you know, just a week before the the World Championships, and I, so I was like, man, I'm, I'm pretty fit, you know. And so then I went in and and uh, I ran really well. It was kind of a slow first half, but I closed it like it was a fast second half, and it was hot. And so when I ran 27:22 and I was sixth there, I mean, I knew I was like in sub 27 minute type shape. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, so when I went to Zurich 11 days later, uh, I mean, my mileage was down to like 60 miles a week at that point. And I was just, I felt like a middle distance runner. And I was doing like, I was doing 300, you know, for me, which was really fast and 41. And, um, you know, I could run 26 seconds for 200, you know, like kind of consecutively over and over again, which for me, I'd never been close to doing that. And I'm doing, you know, I can do this these kind of workouts and so I really felt like I was in like low 13 minute shape but um there was nothing else to do (laughs) like you just hop on the train and you just go and all it was just you know just believe just stay in contact just stay in contact and because we were out like right from the get-go you know like I think it was 406 for the first mile you know and it was like well if you it's a lonely world if you get dropped here 
And so I just keep, you know, I would run as fast as I could to stay in contact, but it was like just hanging on for dear life. And uh, it was one of those races where it's kind of almost like an out-of-body experience. I was so confident, like riding such a high going in that, um, that it, like you get done and, and I finished, I closed in two, two minutes and ran 12.56 and broke the American record. But it was like, you could feel it all happening. It was like a, it was like a storm happening, you know? And uh, I don't think I could possibly replicate it <laughs> just because it was as much mental as it was physical. Um, and, uh, and that was like my bottom ability, you know, like the, as far as fast as I could go, like I could probably do something like that, at, which I felt like I did at the world half, you know, again, but it was like, I couldn't re- replicate anything faster. I felt like it was like a perfect race. And so I really had, you know, I, my plan was to go and run the 10 K at the non down meet and try to break 27, but, uh, they didn't have it for the first time in forever. And so we kind of switched focus and we're like, let's go for a half marathon. And it was six weeks to the world half. And it was a little bit tactical, but I mean, I got third place there. And I mean, uh, I ran 60 flat, but I was way fitter. I mean, I, I was probably, I probably could have ran low 59s. I mean, I was just like on fire, you know? And so it was just like as much mental as anything, I guess. Do you on any level feel like you've been searching for that feeling since then? Um, yeah, yeah, I guess. Um, I felt like that was kind of the, the pinnacle of my, you know, like where I wanted to get. And I felt like it would be easy to stay there, I guess. And it's not, (laughs) uh, I guess, uh, from a long-term perspective, it just, it was so intense that um, it wasn't sustainable for me, I guess. And so um, when I look back, like that's part of the reason why I think I'm still running solid at 35 is not that I've taken down back the intensity, but um, I'm not searching for something anymore. I'm, I'm enjoying it. Um, I'm not trying to get somewhere. Uh, and so now, I can't say that that's the case for the couple of years afterwards. There was a lot of disappointments and stuff going from there because I felt like, that, hey, this is where I, I've been trying to get to. I'm going to be, you know, I was one of the fastest people in the world that year and um, really one of the best runners in the world. And and so that I wanted, I thought, I'll just, you know, you kind of think like, like foolishly, well, I'll just stay here for the next five, six years and be, you know, one of those guys. But it's not as easy as that, that's for sure. I want to next talk about the marathon a little bit. You've run 207, as you alluded to earlier. You've, I think you've started 11, you've finished nine. Um, you've had, you know, triumph, I'd say 207 at Chicago. You know, you've missed the Olympic team by a spot in the marathon. Um, you know, you've had various issues. What is it about that event that has been so, well, that's so complex in general, but that you, have struggled to solve i think the you know it, it there's so much that first of all there's so much that can go wrong uh and you know i don't want to be someone who has excuses but i can always come up with a reason why something happens like i don't believe in coincidences in general just in life like there's always a reason if you have a bad workout or a bad uh you know you get injured there's a reason whether it's mental or physical 
there's a reason for it. Maybe you're tired and overtrained. Maybe you're sick. Maybe you haven't been eating well. Maybe you're whatever it is. So same thing in a race. I mean, they're not excuses. Um, you, even if it's a mental breakdown, you didn't put the en- the energy in during the training for the mental part. And so from a marathon, there's just so many things that you can change or do because it, and little things make the biggest difference. Like it, in a half marathon, if you go out too fast, you can kind of die and, you know, like at the end and you, maybe you lose 30 seconds because you're over overcooked and you don't finish well. In the marathon, you can lose five, six minutes if you do that. And uh, for the most part, <laughs> I've always just gone for it in the marathon. Like I've just been someone, and I've kind of been like that always, like that just in general. And so, like I say, it's easier in other things to hide, maybe hide that. Um, but in the, I, I just swung for the fence basically every time. Uh, I mean, almost every marathon, except for the few times I ran New York, maybe, um, I almost every one, I've just gone for it, gone out in 6250 to 6330 and be like, I'm going to do, you know, and, um, even if maybe I wasn't prepared for it, um, or, you know, maybe, uh, you know, I'm a great half marathoner and, you know, I know that I, I burn a lot of carbohydrate. I don't, um, and so I'm maybe not as efficient, uh, at burning fatty acids. And so, you know, that, or I just haven't been able to train sometimes, um, for a long enough period of time where, um, and so I have some cramping issues and, but there's always a reason. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it's, that you sucked at it, but maybe my, my, um, my vision of what I was capable of or what I had put into the training wasn't quite there. But the times that I've ran really well, I've been really focused. You know, like when I ran 207, uh, I mean, I was, it was like laser focus and I was really fit, healthy for a whole year. Um, and, and everything happened right. You know, um, I still faded a little at the end though, to tell you the truth. I mean, I, I was on 206 40 pace through, 22 miles, I think. Cause so I slowed, but I didn't hit the wall. Um, but like the next year, I was same thing. I had been healthy, but I was overcooked. I was completely fried. I couldn't wait for that race to get done. And I was probably more fit actually than I was, uh, in 2012, but you know, like two months too early basically. And I had a planner that was completely wrecked me and I started cramping up cause I was, I was limping on it and it was, it was pretty, you know, and so there, I've been, you know, really fit before, but there's been a lot of times where, you know, something has happened. And, you know, even my other good marathons, like, I was good when I ran, well, I, was, I, I mean, it wasn't the ma- most amazing uh, result, but when I was, when I ran Boston last time, I didn't run over 100 miles a week uh, for two years, a year and a half before that. Um, and it was just, I was just trying to get to the line, you know, and, but I was focused, you know, and like, if you're focused, sometimes you can overcome those things. If you make smart decisions, it's just, it's just a complex event. You're running Boston here in a couple of weeks. Presumably you're going to keep going till marathon trials in 2020. What unfinished business do you have in the marathon? What would you like to accomplish before you ultimately hang up your racing flats? Well, with, without a doubt, um, that's, that's the focus for me now. And that was part of joining with the Hansons was, I mean, 
if I could, yeah, you could always want to go back, but you can't go back in life. Like you can't change. I'm happy with who, what, you know, what I did in the track, what I did at shorter distances. I mean, I'm, I'm good with that. I'm good with who I am, where I've been, you know, all those things, mistakes I've made, you know, along the way. I'm, I'm okay with that. In the marathon though, I just know that I, I want to, not necessarily it's it's like I talked about before it's something that that drives me is kind of my back against the wall feeling like I have something to prove to myself and I feel like I have something to prove to myself still and I'm looking at it as a goal that says you know I I these last two marathons aren't going to define what I've done or and the rest of my career I can I'm happy with that I can put that in my back pocket but I want to make that fourth Olympic team, and that's how I felt in 2016, and I lost the focus on it too much, and um, I thought that I could get there on talent alone, and um, I, I needed that support system, I think, and so, but as a step to getting there, I need to reestablish myself, and I need to step step back forward into it, because it's been, since I've had a good marathon, it's been three years now, and I've I've been really fit. I mean, I ran 60-12 uh, a year and a half ago for a half marathon. The ability is there, and I know it, and I can tell in my training. Right now, I'm training healthy, and someday, you know, a lot of the time, I feel as good as ever. And so, but I'm focused on that as these are the stepping stones to 2020, and I'm not going to make the same mistake that I made in 2016 where I think that I can get there and I can do it on my own. I mean, I have to have this this team to help me get there. And so that's why part of the reason why I'm so focused on this race right now. And I feel like that's leaving me in a good spot. Yeah. And do you think um, with Shaddy coming down to Florida there, that's going to just kind of help you take it to the next level um, that last month before Boston? Yeah. Shaddy and me go like, we, we know each other quite a bit. We lived in Eugene at the same time. Um, and I really, I really liked him. He's like, He's an awesome guy, and I think pretty much anybody who knows him, he's he's a great guy. And he trains, you know. Like I, I I did one of the workouts with him leading up to New York, and I was like, dang, this guy, he can work out, man. Um, so it's only going to help us. Uh, we train a little differently, obviously. He he can train a little bit more, but he comes from that Kenyan style where they just jog, you know, like on the easy days, and he jogs a ton of mileage, you know, a ton of mileage, but he can work out like crazy. I try to just because I can't do as much volume, I do a lot more stuff at a moderate effort too. So there's going to be, uh, you know, some give and take, but it's as much mental as anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like having, having someone, you know, there with you. And, um, I'm just, I'm thrilled to have him come down here. And I think, uh, I just, I think we both have this vision and this goal that we're looking at Boston and we're like, lo- we're looking at the same path. We're like, we're not young guys, you know but we want that Olympic team in 2020. And this is the step for that. And Boston is special because it's, it's the Boston marathon, but as much as anything, it's like, it's, it's proving, you know, yourself again, which it, for me, I know it's essential on the path to 2020. And I think he feels the same way because it's not easy and no one's going to hand it to you. And so you have to be able to eliminate all the things you could you do wrong in these next two years because from two years from now it's it's top three or nothing and so that's uh 
it's going to make for a good training camp for us here. Two more things before we call it here. You've been doing a little bit of coaching over the past few years, both um, collegiately, but also individually with some athletes. How has that been going for you? And what have you learned in the process of helping other people's other people work toward their own goals? Yeah, it, it's been something that's fun for me because I know that that's, after I'm done running, that's, I, I want to do that. And I kind of thought initially, to tell you the truth, I really thought I wanted to be a collegiate coach, but not so much. I mean, I mean, and I, I shouldn't say I shut the door on that, but, you know, like I, I helped out Andy Powell at University of Oregon for a semester. I was like, oh, man, this is the best. But he has like the best job in the world, you know, like he's trained. He's at the University of Oregon, you know, like he's training these distance runners. But I'm happy being at home, and I'm happy being in Michigan, and and um, and I've been able to learn a lot from Jerry Baltus, the um, Division Two Coach of the Year on many occasions at Grand Valley State University. Um, and so, like from a, like a fundamental standpoint of training a lot of people, that's been really beneficial for me. Um, I've done a lot more with uh, just some individuals, which. Um, Dawn Grunagle, she's a girl that I coach that just turned 40 and she ran 235 at CIM and, um, you know, qualified for the Olympic trials at 40. And, um, I got a couple of young girls who are just out of school that I work with, um, uh, in Grand Rapids and, and I just coach some people online and it's like a broad spectrum of things, you know, like you got college kids and you got, you know, good masters runners and then you got some people just trying to make it. And then I coach a couple of people that, like they want to qualify for Boston and it's like everybody has those same goals, you know, and no one, none of those people that I'm coaching, they're, they're not like me. They, they didn't make a big living out of the sport and um, do it as a job. I mean, it's like a passion and it's a love. And sometimes you forget that a little bit when you're an athlete, you, you, it becomes not, not that you, it's all work, but it's business, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, you forget that you, you lose track of that a little bit and what you start, how you started. And so that's been good for me because I see those people and I see it work and it amazes me to tell you the truth. I get, I got a guy who's running 80 miles a week and he has a full-time job. I mean, I can't even fathom, you know, having the energy or the desire to do that. And so, um, so that's been good, but it's also been a learning process because, you know, like for me, I know what I would do and what I think, but it doesn't just translate. You can't just say, uh, this person, I'm going to give 60% of what I would. It just doesn't work like that. And that was something that took me a little bit to realize, actually. And um, and so it's been good. It's been a good experience to have these first couple of years to be able to learn that and do that um, before before I'm done running and, and uh, just to kind of see how different people uh, adapt to training and what, what works from a professional standpoint, doesn't always work for, for someone who's not at the level that I'm at either. Yeah. How much has your own experience in terms of training and injuries and how you've dealt with all of that influenced your, your own coaching philosophy? I think that's probably one of the biggest things that I feel like I have maybe that's unique is that you can't buy that, you know, that experience or you can't learn that without having gone through some of those things just little things, you know, like, um, just, I've figured out how you can stay really fit when you're, when, cause inevitably it doesn't matter how good of a coach you are or how dedicated the athlete is to the training program and recovery. They're going to get hurt. They're going to have things pop up 
Not that I've come, I've dealt with all of them, but pretty dang near close to all of them. I just keep piling them up and, um, you know, like I know way too much anatomy and things like that for someone with a history degree because it's like, I just feel like that, that's something that frustrates me sometimes, you know, like, uh, I wish I could just, that's the one thing that I, I wish I could feel what they're feeling, you know, because for me, I, at this point, I'm like, oh, I know what that is. That's my, you know, this, this or this. I had to tell them, all right, tell me, take me a picture. Okay. Does it hurt to do this? Does it hurt to do that? I'm not a doctor. I got to tell them that, you know, always, but you know, like, okay, once we figure it out now, I know what to do for you, you know, like, and so we can get you, we can bridge the gap to your next race, you know, but, um, but I've known the, I've, I've gone through the physical and the mental toll of that. And I know what it, ta- what it kind of toll that takes on you. And it becomes like, it can become such a cloud. And so I hope that I can be able to help people with that. And so like, if I, I could probably make a heck of a living off from coaching injured runners only, you know, and that, that would be the entire, uh, you know, the entire business, but I like to actually see people do well too. <laughs> so last question, you've been competing at a very high level now for 20 years, even a little longer than that. You've got a few more left in you. What legacy do you hope to leave on the sport? Well, I think, you know, I, I, I hope people see me as someone who's always, you know, I've always tried to do the right thing in whatever situation I was in and whether it was, and I made mistakes along the way, but I've, I've lived and breathed the sport and I've tried to be authentic um, for people that I know that I have had a platform that people um, are excited about. And, and I want them to feel like I've, I've made so many mistakes and I've made all these, you know, I've had these ups and I've had these downs, but I am who I am. And I, and I've always put like everything I have into it. And so, um, and I've always tried to be like an approachable, authentic person without, um, because it's very easy to become in your own bubble, I think. And, um, and so I, I hope people see going forward. I mean, I, I don't know, like, uh, looking back at, you know, like at me, get guys like me and Alan and, and Ryan, we're going to be relics of the past at some point, but I mean, it matters how you carry yourself as much as anything else. And so, um, Going forward, I, you know, I hope they say that guy made a difference on American distance running or whatever, but you know, he was a good guy. He was a good person. And so, um, so I hope to try to do that, you know, and that's kind of something that I've, you know, I've always think thought is more is as important as being good, you know, and it's something that my parents kind of instilled in me. And so it's not enough, it's not enough just to not, not enough just to be good. I mean, like you have to treat people well. You have to, you have to, you have to do the, you know, you have to know, um, that, that you have, you're in a position that makes a difference to people. Um, and so it, don't take it lightly, really. I love it. I think that's a great place to put a pin in it. Um, where can listeners follow the rest of your journey toward Boston and beyond? Where can they follow it? They can, they can check out, uh, my Twitter, check out the Hanson's Twitter page. I'm really bad. That kind of dates me again. Like I'm a little bit of relic. I struggle with social media because I don't know, like I'm like an in-between age of, uh, you know, uh, getting, you know, generations. So, 
Um, I'll try to keep it, I'll try to keep it more updated, um, in the coming months, but, uh, um, I'm really looking forward to the Boston, uh, John, John Hancock Boston field here coming up in eight weeks. And so, um, we'll be training hard for the rest of the time here. And yeah, you can follow me on that. And I think that's DJ Ritzenhine on Twitter, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. I have an Instagram thing, but man, I, I really struggle with that one. That's a really young person thing. <laughs> well, David, I appreciate your time. I uh, wish you the best in the rest of your Boston buildup. And for the rest of you out there, thank you for listening to the Morning Shakeout podcast. You can follow along on Twitter at the AM Shakeout. And if you want to support the show, you can do that on patreon.com slash the morning shakeout. Dathan, we will catch you in Boston. Cool. Thanks, Mario. Thank you.